I'm Meg Teets, and I'm the host of Sorta Awesome Podcast. Hey there, book gang. Today's episode is all about audiobooks, and I'm so excited to be sharing this episode with one of my oldest friends in this wildly weird online space. Meg Teets from Sorta Awesome Podcast joins me today to share about some of her favorite audiobooks. Have you ever made this statement, I just can't concentrate on audiobooks? I used to make that statement too. But leading these podcast discussions has taught me that I absolutely can be a great audiobook listener. I just needed the right reading hacks to unlock that part of my brain. I want to share with you some of the transformative reading hacks our book gang podcast guests have shared that have allowed me to finally engage with audiobooks with my very busy headspace. The first tip was the strategy that we learned in episode 32, improve your reading focus and memory, which I think is just an incredibly transformative episode for anyone who struggles with ADHD. Paula Engelbretson, a certified life coach that specializes in helping adults with ADHD, came on to teach us about tandem activities while doing audiobooks. I know many of us do this naturally. We use audiobooks when doing chores, but she also encouraged hobby activities like morning walks, knitting, or coloring. And as I share later in this episode, I discovered that sometimes I need to find activities to do when I am not running myself into the ground with chores around the house. And I don't think we talk enough about tandem activities to do with audiobooks when we aren't being productive or driving. I have discovered mindless phone games can be a great way to stay engaged in my books. Three that I really, really like are the New York Times Tiles game, the New York Times Spelling Bee, and just simply an old-fashioned game of solitaire, for example, are just a few options that keep my mind free for books but engaged in a tandem activity. In our Booker of the Month episode, episode 30, where we discuss the best in Booker Prize literature, our guest Dee Dee shared that she listened to audiobooks while reading the physical book simultaneously. She boasted about having faster reading times because this engagement actually kept her off her phone when reading. And I decided to give her tactic a spin with this month's book club book, Firekeeper's Daughter, and realize that this is also helping me when I may feel a little intimidated by a book or when it feels a little like homework. And yes, I know I should not feel like that when I am prepping for my very own book club, but it does feel overwhelming for me as a host sometimes. Now, pairing these two formats together really does work with my brain, particularly when I'm learning about new countries, customs, or languages that are unfamiliar to me. Seeing those words really helps me retain better. And lastly, this tip just comes courtesy of a New York Times book critic, because who knows more about staying engaged with books than them? She shared when her mind begins to wander with books, she throws herself into a new book, and she likened it to a polar plunge. 
it forces her brain to stay engaged. Now, learning about this tactic gave me permission to stop audiobooks or books whenever my mind is wandering and move on to something new. It does really help turn my brain back on again and engage with books again. If you're new here, I just want to welcome you to the Book Gang Podcast. My name is Amy Allen Clark from momadvice.com. Book Gang is all about those debuts, under-the-radar book choices, and helping you expand your stack with backlist book selections. You are listening to episode number 39, The Best Audiobooks for Your Reading Life with Meg Teets. The Book Gang is a completely independent podcast that relies upon listeners to fund. I just want to say thank you for every single person that chips in $5 to make my episodes possible. If you like this podcast and you want to show your love for my show or for me, please, please join my bookish community. I really can't do this job without you. Podcasts are an expensive endeavor and I love doing it and I love learning from our guests, but I really need your financial support to keep doing it. As a thank you for your support, you will receive the exclusive fully booked podcast filled with new release books, a monthly reading guide with what to find on store shelves, monthly book club author interviews, a music playlist for every month, and so much more. To learn more, head to patreon.com backslash momadvice. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash momadvice. Today, we want to supply you with the best audiobook recommendations for your reading life. This book stack has everything you crave from deeply personal memoirs to science fiction to young adult reads and loads of pure escapist fun. Meg Teets should be a pretty familiar voice to many of you. She runs a top women's lifestyle podcast called Sorta Awesome that is geared towards women who want to stay current on all things awesome, including culture, media, and trending conversations. Meg first created Sorta Awesome in 2015 after closing her popular blog, Sorta Crunchy. Sorta Awesome has over 3 million downloads from tens of thousands of awesome listeners. They also run a very active community in the show's private Facebook group, which I am a member of, the Sorta Awesome Hangout. There is so much to love about Meg and the show. I'm so honored to have her in our space today. I'm also a proud Patreon supporter of the show, and Meg is one of ours. So I'm really, really grateful for Meg for a million reasons, which you'll hear in the very end of our show. Now, just a quick reminder, everything we talk about on each episode of Book Gang can be found in the link in our show notes. If you enjoyed today's show, your reviews are essential for growing a new podcast. Please like and share this show with your friends so we can give this show some wings. Okay, I think I've set up this audiobook fun enough. More than anything, I hope you will consider revisiting audiobooks if this format has not worked for you in the past. Give some of those tips a try. I really, really think it can make a big difference in your reading life. I know how much it's changed my reading life, and I loved hearing from so many of you on how this podcast has helped you make small switches to your reading habits too. If it ends up helping you, please, please send me a message and let me know. After all, the whole point of this show is to make your reading life better. Now let's get chatting. 
All right, Booking, I know that you're going to recognize our voice today because she is one of my favorite podcasters and she is joining the show for the first time, which I can't believe you haven't been on the show before. (laughs) Um, What is wrong with me? We have Meg from Sorta Awesome on today. Meg, welcome to the show. Hello. It is so wonderful to be here. I am absolutely thrilled. I always love to talk books and I always love to talk to you. So like this is a double bonus for me. Yeah, so we are recording this in June, and it is actually Meg's birthday today. And so she is celebrating with us, which I'm like, don't you have something else you'd rather do than talk to me on your birthday? But I'm so glad you do want to spend it here. Yes, behind the mic is my favorite place to be. So it all makes sense. Well, before we like dive into our topic, which is our ode to audiobooks today, I want to talk about your new hot and spicy romance starter pack episodes that you have been doing on your show. So tell me about why you wanted to do this with your readers and what you hope people will gain who might maybe not read romance for sure and what the series is all about. Okay, well, we did a two-part series called the Romance Starter Pack. And I did this with one of my longtime co-hosts, Rebecca Hoffer. And we wanted to introduce people, especially people who are maybe a little reluctant about reading romance or, you know, kind of off-put by the whole genre. We wanted to give them some really accessible books at all different levels of spiciness where they could really, you know, dig in and at least give it a try. I will tell you, Amy, that when we started Sort of Awesome back in 2015, whenever we would have book conversations on the show, I would say, I will read anything, but the only the only genre I really don't read is romance. Because at the time, I thought that romance was just like bad writing and bodice rippers and just like a waste of time to read. Well... Back in June of 2015, so like seven years ago, on Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is an NPR pop culture podcast, um, Linda Holmes co-hosted a conversation with like Barry Hardiman, the late Petra Meyer, and I think there was one other guest, and it was like their romance starter pack, and it was the first time that I had heard really intelligent women having really insightful conversations about romance novels, and I was like, hold the phone. What's going on? I had no idea that these were not like the sort of like trashy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you find them at the the truck stops or like whatever. Maybe they were on your grandma's like um, couch sofa side table or whatever. They had racy covers and stuff. No, no. These women were talking about historical romance novels and they were talking about how the contemporary romance novel really grapples with issues of like race and power dynamics and sexism. And I was like, blown away. So I started dipping my toe into the genre. And I discovered, oh my gosh, I actually super love romance books. And so does my co host Rebecca. And so what we did with the the starter pack is we said, okay, we know not everybody likes a sexy romance novel. Some people are just there for the happily ever after ending, which that's great. So we did some that are more like closed door where you're not in on the action of the romance all the way to like super, super spicy books. So yeah, we just kind of wanted to have a conversation about how truly dynamic the whole genre has become, how inclusive it has become, how they're telling. One of the big things is that the romance genre um, has had such a surge in self-publishing. So there's not so much gatekeeping around getting your work published. And that has just exploded the whole genre in terms of 
what different kinds of representation that you're finding in these books. And it's really incredible. So we just couldn't keep it to ourselves. We had to get the word out. (laughs) I love it. You know, I have described myself as a reluctant romance reader. And I also... I would say was a little bit snobby about that form of literature. Like I'm on board with everything else, like everything that you would throw at me, I would be fine with. And there was something about that that I didn't feel like I could identify with. But, you know, it's very funny to me that the past two podcast interviews I just did, I did one with Ashley Winstead, who wrote uh, Fool Me Once. And then I Uh just had Michaela and Andre on for The View Was Exhausting. And it was like the most compelling summer romance. And I'm like, I never thought I would be fangirling so like these romance writers. Right. That is exactly where I'm at. But I think that romance has evolved so much and that there have been new dimensions that have been added. Like the books that we're talking about explore some some bigger things like race and identity and, Mm -hmm. you know, the inclusivity aspect of the storylines. And, you know, one thing that I did talk about with, you know, our writers is just that I, I feel represented in, in small ways, like with my chronic pain, they've been writing more characters in romance with chronic pain. Yes. And, and that makes me feel seen. And I know that that is something about romance where you, you know, maybe you have a disability like I do and you feel like, oh, there's these sexy summer stories that are like representing me. And that even though yes. I have these challenges that I can see myself in these characters and that I am entitled to those kinds of stories too. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love to hear it. Truly. I do think that that is a big part of why this genre is getting so much attention right now. If you watch, if you are on TikTok and you watch book talk or, you know, on YouTube, booktubers, like there's a lot. And especially, you know, in Instagram, you see it a ton too on bookstagram. Like, I think it's getting so much attention because so many people are finding themselves in the pages of these happily ever after stories. Mm -hmm. And again, they can be totally on the whole, there's a whole spectrum of very sweet, very wholesome, very chaste, all the way to extremely sexy, extremely spicy stuff that kind of opens your mind up to like, oh, there's some stuff out there I didn't even know I hadn't explored yet. And so it can be just a lot of fun, but to be able to see something that feels relatable to you in a story like that, I think is, it's pretty captivating for readers. And I will say too about your romance series is that you didn't just focus on the big books. You also went into a lot of the Kindle Unlimited offerings yeah. mm-hmm. um, and some of the more self-published books yes. that I think that may be under the radar. So I really want to encourage people to check it out. It's not just the the big blockbusters that we're seeing right. on the Target bookshelf. Sure. These are books mm. that you can mm-hmm. only get with your Kindle Unlimited memberships. So yes. definitely be looking into this romance starter pack and checking it out. That's just one aspect of Sword of Awesome, though. I do want to mention that they are doing a really fascinating look at menopause for women, too. And so I'm excited. I was telling Meg, I love that this mom blog generation is now moving into these topics of things that were not discussed before and that we are kind of like 
charging, like leading the charge for new conversations around what we're going through, just like we were way, way back yes. in the day, because Meg and I started together in, mm-hmm. in the mom blog world, and, and that's how we know each other. So it's really cool to see how we're using our voices in different ways now. Yeah, I think you make a really great point with that, a really good insight, because over a decade ago, you and I and many of our colleagues and peers, we were writing about family life and parenting, and we had small children and kind of navigating as a community, both our own you know, family life stories, but, you know, guiding readers into, um, you know, considering things about their family life. But as our kids grew up and you have teenagers, I have teenagers, it became less and less comfortable to talk about our family life when our now teens would like to have a little privacy. And I think it makes sense that as we have transitioned that way in our family lives, that we as women, as we hit midlife, we're kind of turning the attention back on ourselves and like exploring all of these changes that are very common, very normal, very age appropriate for us to be experiencing, but that maybe our mothers and grandmothers generations didn't talk about. It feels very natural for those of us who've already been talking about publicly Mm -hmm. family life, parenting, marriage issues to now talk about, okay, okay, friends, we've been in this together for over a decade, and now we're tackling these issues. So my friend, and I know that you know her too, Mindy Browse, Mm -hmm. who's also a frequent voice on the Currently Reading podcast. Um, Mindy and I are doing a special series really through the end of the year, and it may go beyond that too. We're calling it Midlife with Mindy and Meg. And every, every time we have one of those come up in our series, we tackle two topics that have to do with just being in midlife. Sometimes it's like the nitty gritty of perimenopause and menopause, but sometimes like our most recent one is more broad issues like when you discover that it's now time for you to start parenting your parents and Mm. what that life transition looks like. And so, yeah, we would love to have people come and join and join that conversation because it's such an important conversation that I think we're just now beginning to uncover. So, Well, I'm hoping to have Mindy on to talk about our love for robot literature, which is a very specific genre thing that we love, but we both Uh have stories about robots. So at some point, we will hear Mindy on the show for that. And uh, she's obviously one of my favorite people on currently reading. They're all my favorite. I can't can't pick favorites, but I'm really glad that you're doing that exploration. I think it's really important for women. So thank you for doing that. And I can't wait to dive into some of your book picks for today. So we are going to be talking about audiobooks. And June was actually Audiobook Appreciation Month. And I'm a little late to the game because I didn't have enough time in our schedule to get to it in June. So we are exploring this later. But I wanted to talk about our love for it. Do you happen to remember your very first audiobook or one of the first audiobooks that made an impression on you when you first discovered this as an option for reading? Well, first of all, I'm, I need to preface our entire conversation by saying I am so deeply grateful that you asked me to come and talk about this because genuinely, Amy, like 95% of my reading now I do on audio. So it's like this is my reading life and I love this this whole way of, of reading so much. I was thinking about this, you know, I think like in elementary or middle school, maybe you had an English or reading teacher who would turn on like a book on tape, like back in my childhood, they were like cassette tapes (laughs) (laughs) or maybe put on a CD so that the class could listen to a book later in life after I, you know, started my career. I was an English teacher for three years, and I definitely would turn on some audiobooks just to like have a break while my kids were reading. But it never occurred to me, probably because of that 
educational like aspect to it. It never occurred to me to that I would be listening to audiobooks is like my primary mode of reading. Mm. That did change. And I can specifically remember it changed when I listened to Carrie Elways's memoir, Carrie Elways, the actor, his memoir called As You Wish, um, which tells the story, the behind the scenes story of the making of the movie, The Princess Bride. And mm. Carrie himself narrates most of it and tells the story of it. So you've got that gorgeous, you know, Wesley voice telling you the story of it. But also, that is a fantastic production because they bring in voices from other people like Rob Reiner, who directed the film, like Christopher Guest and Robin Wright and Billy Crystal. They have like little side tangents that they come in and tell their memories of that, you know, that particular time, which is fantastic. But I remember... And to this day, it's one of my very favorite audiobooks. I just remember being so captivated. I could not stop listening to it. I would do anything I could to find an excuse to put my earbuds back in and keep going until I finished it. I found it to be so charming and emotional and thought provoking. And I just loved it. And from that time on, I genuinely was hooked on that mode of reading. It was around the same time that I discovered podcasts, really, as a listener, um, not just a producer and maker of one, but as a listener. And I discovered that I can get so much done, like I'm so motivated to get things done if I'm listening, because I'm a very like active listener in the sense that if I'm listening to something, I have to be I have to do something. And if I'm doing something like cleaning house or washing dishes or going for a walk, I have to be listening to something. And so it just kind of the whole audiobook thing just wove itself into my life. And that's how and why I do most of my reading that way now. You know, it's interesting because we have been doing a series on, you know, reading hacks and reading better. And one of the experts we brought on was an ADHD coach. And she was mm -hmm. talking about audiobooks being such a great yes. option for people with ADHD. But she had talked a little bit about something that I guess I had not really thought about. And now it makes sense. But that for a lot of people with very busy brains, like yes. we do, we mm -hmm. need two things going all the yes, time. I always time. need two cylinders yes. all the time. Like I'm yeah. never turned off with, you know, two cylinders going. Yes. And I realized that I have a hard time listening to audiobooks if I am forced to not do anything. If I'm oh my only gosh. just sitting there, my mind is wandering. I'm not yes. engaged in it. But it's there's something about doing a task and then having that. And I want to just bring this up because of the chronic pain aspect. Sometimes audiobooks are more comfortable for me to mm, do because mm -hmm. holding a book can be um, yes. hard on my joints. And so I started listening to audiobooks. But a lot of times on those pain days, I am really struggling with you know, getting around and, and things like that. And so I just want to mention this for someone who might be in a similar boat, that there are ways to do tandem activities from bed that mm -hmm. you can do if you still want to stay engaged with audiobooks. So one thing I have been doing now is actually New York Times has the spelling bee. They also yes. have a tiles game that mm -hmm. are kind of, you know, it kind of keeps my brain a little bit busy, but it's also kind of empty as well. And so those those games were actually designed for people to kind of unwind after seeing headline news. And so that has been a really good option or playing a game of solitaire while I have an audiobook going. So there's something for my hands to be busy, but I'm, you know, being kind to my body. And so I want to mention that because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, being busy, sometimes it might look a little bit different. Maybe it's like taking a bath for yourself and listening yeah, to an audiobook. For sure. Oh. I have 
taken my speaker into the bathroom and taken a shower while I listen. Like if it's a really good audiobook and I can't put it down, I'm like, I'll just keep listening while I shower. I mean, it, truly, Amy, I've I've done everything to keep listening to a book. And I know, you know our our mutual friend Laura Tremaine has talked about um she will do like puzzle games that we where you kind of like are lightly thinking about lightly doing something on the game on your phone like an app. I can't remember. I think like there was like a wooden puzzle one that was one of her favorites a few years ago that she'll do that while she's listening to an audiobook or a podcast so that you can continue that thing of like, I'm doing two things at once. And I was going to say, I don't know if this is a neuro- neurodiversity thing. I've always thought I was just an auditory learner. The more, and I don't have an ADHD diagnosis, but the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, well, this all sounds pretty familiar, including the thing of needing to be doing two things at once to stay tuned into something. So yes. I completely agree. Well, I want to talk a little bit about our audiobook habits because I think it's interesting to hear how people are doing it. Like, what speed are you listening to? Where are you getting your books? So, where are you finding your audiobooks for yourself? Listen, Amy, I'm basic. I'm I'm an audible girl and I have been for years. I know people have big feelings about Amazon being our overlords of our lives. I get it. I'm not here to defend it, but I will say I have been an Audible member for so long. I have a huge library that I have built up over time there. And so I would say that's my main source. Now, you introduced me to Scribd, which I did not know at the time until I found out from you that they had an audiobook component. Maybe I looked at it a long time ago. I don't know how I missed it. But until you introduced me to it, I thought it was just e-reading, which I do on my Kindle. Again, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm <like> so <laughs> Amazon connected. I Believe me, I hate myself for it. So <laughs> stone her. <laughs> Um, but Scribd is a fantastic um, source, too. I have actually listened to a number of romance novels via Scribd because they have a really great collection of them. So that's where I usually do go to find my... Now, I do know many people are connected to like the library system of it, and I can't even remember what the name of it is now. But I am very impatient, and I do not like to wait. When I see that there's a book I want to read, I want to read it right then. So I personally have not done that, but I do know tons of people are finding that to be a great uh, resource for for audiobooks. Yeah, I I will just say that I've been with Scribd since 2013. I'm a legit paid member. They actually had hired me originally when they were first launching. That's how I knew about it is that they asked me to help them promote it. At that point, I guess they were, they had started in 2007. And I just want to mention this because I've been researching for a post for the site because I'm like, oh, what are the hidden features that people don't know about it? And Mm -hmm. I'll link to that in our show notes. But the app itself was designed because the founders father is, uh, I think he's a doctor, but he was trying to share a medical paper and didn't have a quick way of doing that. And so Scribd was originally for people to upload digital documents, which it's still, you can do that. So a lot of people publish documents on Scribd and you have access to that with your membership. But a lot of people don't know that that's you know how it originated. That is fascinating. when it first started, they had a it was a credit system. So like Audible, where you got, let's say, a audiobook credit with your membership. And I think the memberships at this time today are $11.99 a month. Mm-hmm. So you got one of these credits, and then you had access to like all of the ebooks. But yeah. since then, their business model has changed. And so 
they have a relationship with the top five publishing houses. So pretty much most books you can find on Scribd. They yes. have a very robust audiobook catalog. Very. And with your membership, you have unlimited access. But yes. I want to preface with this. They have contracts with writers. And I want to say, too, writers do get paid. So mm-hmm. there are contracts with the publishing houses and the writers get paid. But I think within those terms of agreements, there may have a capped amount of audiobooks, let's say. Oh, with, really? Okay. Um, what they are allowing. And so mm-hmm. at some point, usually during the month, towards the end of the month, it says those books are not available or they're available on, let's say, the 16th, which is when I'm being billed again. Okay. So I just bookmark everything exactly as a way of keeping you know my whole account up to date but i might not be able to access that if they have maxed out on whatever contracts and we want to like authors to be paid fairly and i know that there's kind of like this disgruntled thing about script capping you know not being able to like access Mm. and it is less to do with necessarily that transaction between you and script and more a transaction between script and the publishing house okay so i do use it and i want to say even if you are not a big audiobook listener although i think it's the most like robust catalog Mm -hmm. that you can access with brand new releases Mm -hmm. they have ebooks and it's a really great resource for cookbooks in particular. Um, Or if you are diagnosed with something, if you have like, let's say a parent is diagnosed with something and you're like, oh, like I need to find out how to, you know, care for this person. You can access those eBooks. And I use it a lot for random things like health, fitness, you know, recipes. I screenshot a lot of recipes when I'm trying to get inspired. If I'm trying out a new diet, like the Mediterranean diet was something that we were recommended. And so like I was screenshotting a lot of recipes from there. So don't just think of it as just like that. But that is one of the best aspects of it is how good their audiobook catalog is. It really is. There's so much in there. And I will go to look up a book and be like, oh, they probably won't have it. And then they totally have it. And so I have just, I have been so thankful for, again, I would not have known how much is available if it weren't for you recommending it. And so I'm, I'm such a fangirl now of it. So between Audible and Scribd, I keep my ears busy, Amy. I've always got something I'm listening to, usually a couple of things, honestly. Now, how fast are you listening, Matt? Because you seem like a fast processor. See, I am a fast processor, but I'm also a podcast producer. And so to me, the experience of the audio is an important part. I know that that is very niche. I know not everybody feels that way. I know some people are there really pragmatically to get through books more quickly. And so they'll listen really quickly. I usually don't go above 1.2 speed. I do have to say of all of the apps, I think Audible does the best in terms of making when when you speed it up it still sounds natural mm-hmm. but i just i don't know like as a, as somebody who produces audio to me like every beat every pause every intonation is in, an important part of the production experience so i am not as concerned about getting through books as quickly although again i know lots of people do like audiobooks for that reason so i usually keep mine at just 1.0 or maybe sometimes I'll bump up to like one point. It's interesting that you said that your favorite like speed is to actually listen to it more naturally because you 
like appreciate it. And Mm -hmm. I'm one of those very, very annoying people that prefers to speed it up as fast as I can so that I can get the story in quickly. Um, So I I have an appreciation for the performance. And there are times where if it's a really heavy plot line or Mm. there's an accent or something that I'm really having a hard time absorbing, I do have to slow it down. But I think that my brain needs to be busy so much that I need to like speed it up and get in as much information as possible. So I think that's more my my brain. Yeah, I absolutely do understand. And I will say too, that um, when I listen to like a nonfiction just like that's more informational than anything else, that sometimes I will go ahead and speed those up just so I can get the information in. I don't think about the performance aspect as much if it's not like a narrative telling. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, today we are going to give you guys some really good recommendations for audiobooks. And I'm going to lead today and and Meg's going to join me in sharing some of her favorites. And this one, technically, I have not heard. But the only reason why I'm recommending it is because of the nature of the book and how reliable this audiobook narrator is. So the book is called Thank You for Listening. It is written by Julia Whalen, and it is my top recommendation for audiobook fans. Now, this novel is from Avon Books. It will hit store shelves on August 2nd. So you can get in a pre-order or, you know, it's possible that you're listening later. Definitely order it. This is Julia's second novel. She wrote a book called My Oxford Year. It came out in 2018. So I did get a peek at this, but did not get granted access to the audiobook, unfortunately. But because Julia is such a like renowned audiobook narrator. She's narrated over 400 books. I was Mm -hmm. looking at how many she's done. Um, Yes. She is giving her like fans little sneak peeks of it on her Instagram account. So if you are curious about what it might sound like, you already know it's going to be good. So I have no qualms about recommending this, even though I didn't get to hear it like that. So yeah. In Thank You for Listening, our main character, her name is Sawani, she's had dreams of being a big actress, but she gets involved in a really tragic accident, which the reader gets to learn about throughout the story. So it's Uh, kind of a slow reveal. Mm -hmm. And she's forced to give up her on-camera roles and decides to pursue acting of a different nature, which Mm -hmm. is working as an audiobook narrator. Now, the thing that is really good is that it has led to some fun projects, and her new career leads her to a book convention where she has a really unexpected hot and steamy night with a charming stranger. Now, that is not (laughs) the only exciting development because her narration is requested by one of the most beloved romance novelists. And for some reason, I keep getting in my head Bridgerton, but like, you know, someone that is going to be like a really well-known novelist. So this author requests that she narrate this along with one of the industry's most secretive audiobook narrator voices, and Mm -hmm. his name is Brock McKnight. And the two must talk each other through the scenes and coach each other on narration. And Waylon imagines their own steamy encounters when they have to narrate these scenes together. And that is just 
everything you want the book to be. Yes. Shenanigans ensue. There's a love triangle. The character grows. All the fun plot points for romance readers. This book names the tropes and it owns it. It is perfection. I will also say that she weaves in thoughtful side characters like her best friend who encourages her along the way, a well-developed story about her coming to terms with her disability, financial motivations to take these jobs to care for an ailing grandmother. This just left me with the biggest goofy grin. I can't wait for you to read it. In particular, I want to recommend this one for fans of The X Talk, which is another fun romp, Mm -hmm. but this time with an NPR setting. So again, that is Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen. Oh my gosh, I'm grinning just thinking about it. I want it to come out now. I cannot wait to get my hands on that one. It sounds like it was created in a lab for me. Like I need this in my life. (laughs) It is so good. And honestly, like I never really thought about a steamy aspect of like romance narrating together. But it is hot. Like imagining Uh how they're coaching each other through these scenes is like, it's like too much. It is so good. Yes. You know, what's so funny is um, when I very first started reading romance, I I think I had told my friend Rebecca, maybe it was when we were on mic, I can't remember, but I was like, I cannot imagine listening to a romance book because it's like, so it's already so intimate anyway, but to listen to it. But then because of Scribd and they have a really great collection of Christina Lauren's um, books. I love Christina Lauren. It's a writing team and their books. I have never read a Christina Lauren book that I didn't absolutely love. And so I started listening to some of them on Scribd and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, I have my earbuds in. I'm like doing normal t- daily tasks, like washing the dishes. But there's this very, very sexy story going on in the background. And it's a whole thing. And so in this, uh, in terms of this Julia Whalen book, like I cannot even imagine how sexy it's going to be. So I can't so wait. sexy. Yes. <laughs> so what's your first book, Meg? Okay, mine's a co- on a completely different note. <laughs> <laughs> the sexy audiobook re- narrators. Okay, I have to say that my very, very favorite genre of audiobook is memoir, especially when the author reads their own memoir. I think it's so powerful. And the one that I would want everyone to listen to, if you have not already, is Brandy Carlyle's memoir, Broken Horses. Mm. Have you read or are you familiar with this at all? Yes. Okay. So this came out in April 2021, and you may or may not know Brandy Carlisle. She's a pretty well-known um, artist in the singer-songwriter genre of music. And this story, Broken Horses, is her memoir. It tells the story of how she grew up Christian and gay and poor, and she was already, you know, sort of becoming an artist and a musician. All of the conflicted feelings around um, her relationship with faith and how she grew in and in spite of that. It talks about who her musical heroes are and why and like how her life story shapes the music that she writes. Now, lots of people have read this book, you know, just like um, in, in text. But you guys get this book on audio. First of all, Brandy Carlyle's voice is just beautiful in terms of reading. But you also get like a bonus concert from her because she includes in the audio version of Broken Horses recordings of the songs that she talks about 
that are woven into the memoir. And so you not only are imagining it as she's talking about writing these songs, you then get to hear her perform them. And I'm getting goosebumps just saying that because this is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not connected to the Christian faith or faith in general, one of my dearest, closest friends is Jewish. And and on my recommendation, she read Broken Horses and she's like, oh my gosh, that's one of the best memoirs I've ever read. She loved it. So even if like grappling with Christianity isn't normally a book you would be interested in. Just Brandy's story of like overcoming the circumstances that she was born into and like how it has helped her to become this incredible artist that has had an impact on so many people's lives. It's just mm, so good. So one of the best memoirs ever. I, I love memoirs so much. So I was like grappling like, oh man, I can't, I cannot come to Amy's show and have like five memoirs to recommend. So of all of the ones that I love, I would say get this one. Yeah, I love listening to memoirs told by the people that have lived the stories. Yes. And I just finished um, Selma Blair's memoir, which was <gasps> stunning. Yes. I'm, I'm actually like completely blown away that she was able to do this audiobook performance, given that she has MS and it mm-hmm. is pretty progressed and it's very hard for her to do this. I was just astounded by her performance of her own book because I can only imagine the amount of you know, time and heart and the emotions that go behind it. But there is something that impacts you so greatly. Another good example, I mean, when we talk about celebrity memoirs is Jessica Simpson's was amazing. I almost brought that one. I was so conflicted. First of all, I do want to listen to that Selma Blair one. I've heard it is brilliant. But Jessica Simpson's open book is another standout one that you it's so unexpected like i i could not even believe this is like the jessica simpson that we all sort of like poked fun at in the you know like early 2000s it is so fantastic and her narration of it is so powerful my gosh yeah that was one that just i mean i wouldn't even say that i was a big jessica simpson fan and i don't know how that even landed in my stack but i remember listening to her tell her story and the emotion that came Mm -hmm. through in parts of it i found myself crying yes like like, i never expected to have a book like that resonate with me and i think that's right the power and testimony of audiobooks with memoirs and i don't know if it would have hit me in the same ways if i had not heard like her shaky voice or what yes. was actually impacting her and that that is such like that is so great brandy carlisle's just gonna be on my list now i have not read yes. it yet so i'm really glad you brought that it's well, so good i'm i'm completely switching gears because i i clearly misunderstood the assignment <laughs> so t- <laughs> I'm actually going to bring another one that I think is kind of just a fast read that if you are struggling to stay engaged with audiobooks, I want to talk about ensemble casts because I okay. think that sometimes when there are ensembles with narration, yes. it can really help keep your brain engaged, particularly if you are a person that's going to zone out during an audiobook. So this mm-hmm. one is called One of Us is Dead. It is written by Geneva Rose, and it's the kind of book you can just listen to in a day or two. This novel came out in April of 2022, and it was published by Blackstone Publishing. Now, Geneva Rose is a new-to-me author, but she has written two other novels. One's called The Perfect Marriage, and the other is The Girl I Was. And the best way I can describe this book is if Desperate Housewives and Big Little Lies had a baby, it would be this murder mystery. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. I love it. 
Oh, I picked this for today because of the ensemble aspect. Um, There's five narrators within this story. So it tells it through the different characters. And I wanted to like describe them, but I feel like sometimes the author blurb does a better job than I could. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is a community of close-knit women in wealthy Buckhead, and they all rely upon the services of one stylist in town. And due to this claustrophobic nature of their town, Jenny has to arrange all of the client appointments around their latest dramas. So the way that the publisher describes them is we have Shannon, who was a queen bee of Buckhead, but she's been unceremoniously dumped by Bryce, her politician husband. And when Bryce replaces her, he replaces her with a much younger woman named Shannon. We've got Crystal, who stepped out into Shannon's old shoes. She's a Texan girl who has no idea what she's up against. We've got Olivia, who's waited to take Shannon's crown as the unofficial queen. She's trying to come in. And then we have Jenny, who owns the salon. And she knows all the secrets and dark desires. And she's not going to tell anybody about them. So we open the story with this investigation in the book. So the reader knows by the title and the opening chapter that someone has been murdered and all of the characters are suspects. And you won't know until the very bitter book end who was killed. So oh my gosh. I would say that <laughs> you must pay attention to the very last chapters because it starts to close in and pull together. I called it a domino effect is the best way I can describe it, where like all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? So the writer gives yes. you this plot twist whiplash with clever ending that made me want to listen to it twice. This has tons of steam in it. And when we're talking about doing household chores, I actually felt guilty about doing my dishes. <laughs> I am sold. I am here for this one. Yes. Yes. This has everything that you want. The, the salon scenes, there's like a romance that occurs between um, one of the estheticians and the client. And it Dang. is very steamy. Again, um, this one is called One of Us is Dead. It's written by Geneva Rose. It's If you want fictional drama, this is the book for you. And you will okay. like make all of your like household chores a guilty pleasure task <laughs> 100% sold I'm like I will go immediately because I have one one lonely little credit on audible so I'm like I know what I'm gonna hit up Yay! next <laughs> so good so good I'm so glad that you okay. brought such like lighthearted titles because I was looking through my list and Amy I'm not like usually like a a heavier reader but all of the ones I picked I don't know why I did this all of the ones I picked are like a little bit more on the serious side so I feel like we're balancing each other out we're balancing good we have a little of everything so I'm excited to hear what your next pick is Meg okay so I went way backlist for this because I wanted to pick a different genre and my all-time favorite young adult and I would actually say this more than young adult this is like middle grade book is called The Crossover and it's by Kwame Alexander. Have you ever read The Crossover? No. Mm-mm. Okay. So Kwame Alexander wrote this back in June of 2014. He has gone on he's a very prolific like sort of middle grade writer. This book is poetic fiction. So it is fiction but it's written in verse. And the performance of this is fantastic. And Again, my old English teacher, 
self comes out to say poetry, you know, we read it, we study it. If you're like me, you had to do a lot of studying of it when you were like at university and stuff. Mm -hmm. But poetry is, it is, it's a thing that exists on the page, but it's also something that's meant to be read and experienced um, out loud with voices and intonation and those types of things. And so the crossover tells the story of twins, Josh and Jordan Baker, and it's written from Josh's perspective. And he kind of explores what it's like to be a middle school boy who's this basketball star, his twin brother, who they've played basketball together. Their their dad is like a retired basketball player from a long time ago. Basketball is a huge part of their lives. But his brother Jordan, as they get into middle school, is starting to be more interested in girls and friendships instead of just practicing and playing basketball all the time. It explores his relationship with his parents. I have a just graduated from middle school or my two oldest of five have now made it through middle school, but I got three more to go, Amy. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. Middle school is such a hard time, but it just really, like from his perspective, explores the that tension, you know, of, of middle schoolers mm-hmm. and their parents. It it goes on to just to kind of dig into a story of grief and loss. And I would say that listening to the crossover is the only way to experience this book. And it is great for listening to with kids. I would say late elementary, middle school, you could even get your high school high schooler into it uh, with you as well. It's only two and a half hours long. So if you've got a little road trip that you're taking this summer, get this book, listen to it as a family. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And again, with that poetic fiction, it moves really, you move through the story really quickly. It's very engaging. Hands down, my favorite Young adult middle grade listen is The Crossover by Kwame Alexander. Oh, I'm glad that you brought one that would be good for like a trip because I know a lot of people are taking summer trips. This is perfect for that. And also some of us are always trying to tackle our reading goals and get really behind. So this might be a good one too for the end of the year where you're, you know, scrambling to meet a reading goal. So I'm glad that you brought this one to the stack. Yes, do it for sure. Well, I'm continuing down the escapist path. And actually, I wasn't going to talk about this one, but uh, I think that because of the nature that I'm going on, I'm going to keep going in this direction. This is my first and most memorable audiobook because I know I didn't answer that question. So this is just one that has stuck up out in my mind all of these years later. And it was when Scribd only had credits. So I used my one credit for this book, and I still think about it. It is called The Assistance. It's written by Camille Perry. This is basically the story that I would recommend if you have been enjoying Inventing Anna, if you indulged in cover story, if you enjoyed my friend Anna, if you're looking for your next like con type of literature, this would be a good one. So in this story, Tina is working for a head honcho at her company who is just swimming in money. And a technical error occurs in an expense report that Tina uses basically to her advantage to pay off her student loan debt to the tune of $20,000. The only problem, though, is that other people in the office start to notice And they want their loans paid off, too. So more people start becoming involved. More money is being funneled 
more student loans being paid, more stress that Tina will get busted. So basically imagine a Robin Hood story, but with a modern twist. This book is the medicine you need for anyone who is struggling with student loan debt. I remember how hard that was to pay off. I loved this book so much. I found the ending to be pure perfection. It was one of the sweetest escapes. And because it was one of my very first audiobooks, it just really stands out in my mind because it was such a memorable and different kind of exploration. And I've read um, Camille Perry's other books too and really enjoyed them. So it's The Assistance by Camille Perry. Okay. I haven't heard of that one, but I am definitely very into the whole like scammer con artist thing. (laughs) It's sort of like having a moment in pop culture, which I don't know what that says about us as a culture right now. Yeah. But I am super into it. So Amy, I'm going to have to pick that one up too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's an escapist kind of thing. I know we just finished Bad Blood and, you know, we've been enjoying all of these, um, explorations, I guess, of motivations behind women that are doing things. And I would say with this one, because it is for something that you're like, yeah, I mean, these people have a lot of money. And it's really not fair that I'm like living hand to mouth in poverty, like helping them make more money. And what if you have the chance to pay off your bills? Like, Uh Obviously, you'd like to believe that you are a more honest person. But if you're really struggling, you know, this opportunity presents itself, it really makes for kind of a compelling and dishy read. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am fascinated. I am so into it for sure. Yes. Well, are you keeping us in the serious vein? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Serious, but like highly engaging on this one. Okay. So I wanted to go and pick something from contemporary fiction. And I picked this one because it is, it's probably one of the most memorable books I've read in the past couple of years. I heard about it on Currently Reading, so maybe you did too, Amy. It's Kimmy Cunningham Grant's book, These Silent Woods, Mm. um, which the the ladies on Currently Reading were raving about at the end of last year. This was a November 2021 release. And I'm going to tell you guys, this book, first of all, is a fantastic book. On audio, it's narrated by Bronson Pinchot, who, if you are of a certain age, you may remember Bronson Pinchot played Balky on Perfect Strangers (laughs) back in the late 80s and early 90s. Amy, he has gone on to have a prolific audiobook narrating career. I looked him up on Audible and he has like almost 400 titles that he has narrated and he is fantastic. Fantastic. So totally recommending it for his performance of this book. So The the Silent Woods tells the story of a father and daughter, a young girl, she's like six or seven, and they live in the Appalachian Mountains. They live completely off grid and for a very specific reason. And that reason is that the dad is hiding from law enforcement. It takes place in the modern era. It's not like a long ago story. It's like very current. He is raising his daughter completely on his own in the woods with very, very little interaction with others. There's like one neighbor that kind of stops by and and the dad is very annoyed by this neighbor because he's really trying to keep their existence there completely secret. And we don't know at the beginning of the story. Throughout the story, it it reveals how it was that they found themselves living in this cabin in the woods. 
So all of this work that he's done to keep their lives very private, very off-grid, very isolated, all of that changes when a friend of a friend comes to the cabin and all of this really tight control he's had over their whole lives starts to unravel. This is such a powerful book. It's a really interesting exploration about love and relationship and family dynamics and recovery from trauma. And it's really like, it's a pretty heavy book. It's extremely engaging. Um, The cover of this book makes it seem like it's kind of a thriller. It's not what I would call a thriller, but there definitely is a pretty engaging mystery that is threaded all the way through. And Bronson Pinchot's performance of this is just, it's breathtaking, I would say. And so if you're looking for a really deep story, it's really powerful. I cried my eyes out at the end. I have to recommend These Silent Woods. Again, it's by Kimmy Cunningham Grant, narrated by Bronson Pinchot. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Okay. I think you just blew me away that he is a prolific audiobook narrator. I had no idea about that. I didn't either. When I picked this up and I saw the narrator, I was like, that cannot be the same Bronson Pinchot. And so I'm like Googling. I'm like, how many people are named Bronson Pinchot in this world? So I started doing all of this Googling. And oh my gosh, he has like, he has completely built a career around narrating audio. So gosh, that's amazing. Well, I know that Larry read this in our Patreon fully book show. He had talked about it. I almost want to say that he brought that to the best books of the year as well. And so I think it's one that our our listeners will be familiar with. But if you haven't picked it up, I hope that you'll try it on audiobook because it sounds like that is the version that we need in our lives right now. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yes. Well, I have one more and I know you do too. Mm -hmm. And I am also you know, embracing a little bit of backlist books for our stack today. I know that people may be familiar with this book because it did get a Netflix series. So I'm not bringing something that's completely under the radar. But the reason why I wanted to bring it today is, again, it's got a incredible audiobook performance. There are five people that narrate it, and it is The One by John Mars. And if you haven't read it, you just need to pick it up right away. It is like one of my favorite recommendations for book slumps. I just talked to a friend this week who was asking me for some audio book recommendations. And this was the first one that I talked about. So this is a book that came out way back in 2018. And I'm going to be a little meta about it and talk about how I viewed it when I first listened to it. I said the narration is absolutely fantastic. There was not a dud in any of these stories. I love the plot twist in this one. So When I read this, all I kept thinking about was a particular episode of Black Mirror where potential mates are matched in a very science fiction type of way. Mm -hmm. So this thriller explores the concept of DNA matching in a pretty similar fashion, but it goes deeper into the complexities of love and lust that happen when we're told that someone is scientifically matched to you. So what if you possessed a gene that was a scientific match to only one other human on Earth. And for a small fee, you could purchase a DIY DNA kit that would reveal the name and contact information of your true soulmate. And what makes this concept so uncomfortable is the ways that too close to home scenarios 
doesn't feel like this is a far away kind of sci-fi type of theme because so many of us are handing over our data to companies like 23andMe and are curious mm-hmm. about our DNA ancestry. So what adds to this complexity of knowing this information is what builds beautiful plot lines because the current partners that may be involved in those kinds of relationships likely are not the scientific match that these people are supposed to be matched with. And it explores it in some really unique ways. So for example, there is one person who is matched to a man who is not gay. And he has never even entertained this, but that is who he is supposedly matched to. So how does Hmm. he work through his own identity if that is really the person that he's supposed to be in love with? There's a woman who discovers her match has died before she was able to connect to him. And so she actually starts a relationship with the family and learns more about this person that she was destined to be with. There's a woman who finds out her match is terminally ill. Then we also have the founder of the profiling system who is matched with someone within the system that they've created. Oh, and there is a serial killer out on the loose who is pursuing a few matches of their own. So this is, again, (laughs) the best book. It's got an ensemble cast. It's engaging in every aspect of the story. I loved all of the narrators. I thought they all did an amazing job. And if you're like, I want to read something and then watch it, you could basically like read this book, listen to it on audiobook, which I highly recommend that you do for the performance, and then watch the adaptation, which I still have not gotten to. But you could make it a John Mars weekend. He is a great, fun, fun writer. So even if sci-fi is not normally your genre, this is a great like dip your toes into the water. Like if you like Blake Crouch, that's a pretty good example of someone that has gotten some commercial success who, you know, or, or Andy Weir even, but yep. l- a little less science-y. So that, that okay. is my recommendation. That sounds so fun. There's a Christina Lauren book that's a similar idea, except it's like the rom-com version of what you were saying. There's like a startup app that like there, if you send in the your DNA, um, they'll help you find your match. But it's not like dark and sad. It's like rom com So yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that whole idea. That is so fascinating. We've got one one more for us today, and I can't wait to hear what that is. Well, as it turns out, my last one is also science fiction-y, and I also am not like that science fiction is not usually my genre. Anyone who knows me and listens to Sort of Awesome knows that what I'm knows what I'm going to say because I can't stop talking about how good this book is. It is Andy Weir's book from last year, Project Hail Mary. Yay! Which I didn't know this, Amy. I was looking up for my notes for today. It did end up winning the 2022 Audio Awards Audiobook of the Year. So it is one of those books that the performance of it is so compelling. Ray Porter is the narrator. His performance, I think, is just as stunning and worth celebrating as Andy Weir's writing is. Um, As you kind of alluded to, Andy Weir, like Blake Crouch, they've had this commercial success. Andy Weir wrote The Martian and and I think another one that maybe has gotten adapted. Um, But Project Hail Mary is something that takes place in space and deals a lot with the science of it. But he makes it really approachable. And I think if you are one who you're like, I don't like science fiction, I don't like getting bogged down in the like sciencey details. If you listen to it on audio, you can kind of speed through those sections a little bit. 
And with Project Hail Mary, you are not going to lose your understanding of what the message of the book is, even if you don't track with all of the science. So probably everybody has heard what Project Hail Mary is about. But just as a reminder, it's about Ryland Grace, who's a middle school science teacher. He wakes up on a spaceship. His two crewmates are dead, and he has no memory of how he got on the spaceship or why he's there or what he's supposed to be doing. He soon discovers that he's the lone survivor of a last chance mission to save Earth. And as the book unfolds, he like his memory begins to come back to him, like what led him to being on this spaceship. His travel through space causes him to intersect with something totally unexpected, this is one of my favorite books probably of all time. And again, I am not a science fiction reader. The storytelling that happens is so powerful. It's so much less about the science of space and so much more about like humanity and how we fit into this universe. But you have to listen to this on audio. One downside is I I don't know if it still is, but when it first came out, it was an Audible exclusive, so you had to listen to it on audio. I don't know if it's if they still retain all of the rights to it or if you can find it on other apps. I mean, it's just like one of my favorite books ever, and I am insistent that you must experience it on audio for a variety of reasons that are extremely important to the plot of the book. I feel like I missed out because I did this on paper copy. I had gotten an early release copy of it and I wanted okay. to read it really bad. So I did not yeah. wait for the audiobook. And I have regrets, big regrets when you're talking about this, <laughs> that I did it that way. I actually think I might recommend my husband listen to it mm-hmm. because I yes. know that he would really appreciate it. I want to say my one like... You know, I have very few claims to fame, but I got to interview Andy Weir when he came out with The Martian for the blog, and I was so nervous about what kind of questions I was going to pitch to him because he is like the science of the science fiction, and my husband actually helped me write questions for him, so I like didn't sound like a complete moron because he was so (laughs) smart, and I wanted to ask him very intelligent questions, like really show up, and I'm like, I really don't know that much about science, (laughs) I guess. I love it. But I'm so glad that you said that because this is another one that I think would be great for a road trip book. I'm trying to remember, I don't think there may be some language, like I would definitely say this would be like high school and older. It's been a, it's been a minute since I listened to it. So there's something in my brain that's saying like, there's probably some language if you, I don't think it'd be appropriate for younger kids, but high school or older, or if you are traveling with your partner, spouse, best friend, whatever, and you need something to listen to, this story is so engaging and it'd be really fun to talk about with somebody too. So Definitely a good travel book. And I want to say, too, if you like The Martian, one of the big aspects was there was a lot of F-bombs in that. And Mm -hmm. this is almost like the polar opposite because we have kind of like – He's just like a, you know, a nice yeah. small town. You just like a, yeah. a very, like he strikes very Midwest kind of like a man yes. who is mm-hmm. just like very golly gee, which I appreciate. Very golly like, gee. I loved yes. this aspect of the character. And so um, if, if for some reason you were like, oh, I couldn't read that because of the first one, don't let that intimidate you because this is like a completely different kind of character with a different kind yes. of language aspect that it may be a little bit for older. I would look at Common Sense Media you know, and kind mm-hmm. of gauge it from that. But I agree. I think this would be a great family 
um, type of book to enjoy together. I am so glad you brought this to the show, Meg, and I appreciate you so much. If people want to connect with you more, what's the best way to find you and also to connect with your podcast? Okay, well, we would love to have anybody who is looking for some friendship conversation style um, podcast. It's a weekly podcast for women, sort of awesome. You can find us in all of the podcast places. And we also have social media, like our main concentration of our community is on Facebook, the sort of awesome hangout. We would love to have you come and join us there. You can just find me personally at sort of awesome Meg on Instagram and all of the places. And I would love, I'm always love to talk books and reading and especially audiobooks because seriously, Amy, I like, it was like choosing amongst children as I looked through my scribbed history and my audible library. I was like, what the, how can I do it? How, there's, it's so hard. So if you want to talk even more audio book, love, need more recommendations, come find me as sort of awesome Meg. I'd love to talk about it. Well, this has been a delight. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for sharing time with me on such a momentous day. And I just want to <laughs> close out with a birthday gift for you. I mean, I truly, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You are one of the kindest, most generous people within our community. The way oh. that you elevate other people is unmatched. Like there, there are few people that do it the way that you do with such generosity. And there is a reason that Sorta Awesome has a cult following. It is because <laughs> you are so lovable. And we oh. are all so grateful that you're having these honest and candid conversations with women about things that maybe nobody's ever talked to them about before. And having that kind of format makes us feel less alone and I'm grateful to have known you this many years and to be in this space with you is such a joy today. Thank you. You are my cheeks are on fire and I'm gonna start crying. So (laughs) thank you for saying that, Amy. That means so much to me. Well, it's true. I wouldn't say it otherwise, I promise. Oh thank you. All right, everyone check out Sorta Awesome Podcast. Get to know Meg and definitely check out her romance starter pack if you are looking to get some new love stories in your life.